So welcome to today's episode. This is about the Business Rule Framework Plus, abbreviated BRF Plus, as you um, will hear quite often today, probably. My name is Thomas Quintus. I'm the Scrum Master of the Transportation Management Freight Order Management Team. My name is uh, Bernd Dittrich. I'm a happy consumer of BRF Plus from a development uh, perspective. So we work in TM. And we use BF Plus in our so-called conditions a lot. And today we want to learn a bit more what we're actually using there. Yeah. Hello. My name is Carsten Siegler. I'm on the provider side. Means I have built BF Plus with my team. Um, I'm uh, responsible as a product owner. Um, additionally, I work as a architect for the topics rules and decision management in the organization of Vishal Sika. Hello, my name is Felipe Hernandez. I'm a happy um, consultant for BRF Plus. <laughs> I help deploy um, the solution to um, customers. I've been working for four years now with the product and I'm happy to be invited here with your podcast. Yeah. So thanks everybody being here. So everybody's already happy. I think we will uh, even become um, happier throughout and you will also become happy at the end of it. Episode. So maybe let's start with uh, BF Plus from 10,000 foot or even 20,000 foot. Uh, so what is it? Act, why did you build it, Carsten? Well, I had no job at that point in time, so okay. I started to think, <laughs> about, think about what could I do. No, uh, seriously, um, it's about giving power to people that do not know how to write code. Those people shall be empowered in a way that they can define logic. For example, to check data, to calculate the tax, to validate, to classify, to group, to match without the need to write any other code. So it's a rules engine that provides non-technical user interface concepts like decision trees, decision tables, text rules, so that non-technical people can use them to build business logic. All kind of business logic, right? So yeah, the tool is independent of uh, specific uh, business applications. It's in the NetWeaver layer and uh, can be included like it's done in the transportation management. It can be included at many places. Yeah. What other places where uh, BF Plus is already included? TM, I think, is the main or most important customer yeah. from my perspective. But uh, yes, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Okay, that, uh, thank you. Transportation management is the number one user, and uh, we do whatever transportation management wants to be done. We listen to that and do that. <laughs> now, um, we have a lot of customers, so altogether there is more than 70 use cases, um, mainly in the business suite, but also by design. Um, and uh, the biggest ones are tax and revenue management, social, uh, master data governance, uh, grantor management, in CRM loyalty management, territory management, um, in SRM approval workflows. I do not actually have the complete list. Um, yeah. Some may just use it without telling me. Yeah. We always tell. Okay. <laughs> okay, and let's say detailed examples, like you, you called that. Uh, mentioned that loyalty management uh, uh, program that just, you know, to get started, whereas, yeah. you know, from the yeah, consumer. I'm, I'm not too much an expert for loyalty, but mm -hmm. what I know pretty well is um, social. Mm -hmm. So um, when um, public sector organizations buy the SAP social product, um, they have BF Plus included into this product, for example, to define the entitlement uh, for for certain benefit. So, uh, for example, take a mother who is... Uh, living in a, let's say, a divorce situation or so growing mm -hmm. up or the, the, the child 
and then she cannot work uh, all the time full day and mm. then she is entitled to receive some benefits and the calculation first the entitlement check and then the calculation is done with uh, brf plus and when there is a law in uh, a change in the law and then the respective expert can adjust the rules and there's no it project needed for that okay interesting yeah. and tm i think we also have a lot of use cases but that has been mentioned in the conditions episode uh, the TM uh, podcast, if you're interested in that one. So it can be used for all kind of uh, decisions where you have kind of flexible input rules may change over time, and then you have one or multiple outputs. Uh, yes, and uh, drivers are mostly uh, change frequency. So how mm. often do you need to change the, the rules? Mm. And second, uh, how much um, are business people interested in the rules? So when there is a need for business people to understand how decision logic executes, then uh, Plus may be a candidate. Mm. Um, you wouldn't use it for a decision how does the database optimize an index or so. Mm. That doesn't make sense. But when business people need insight, need visibility, and when there are changes expected, and then it's a candidate because it helps understand how the logic is executed, mm. and it helps, it, it accelerates the process of, of, of changing and implementing such a change. And it also supports things like simulation, right? So that uh, if I change something and I'm not too sure if that will lead to my result you could also simulate and then yes you can simulate that on on your system first and uh, have a step-by-step -step, um, explanation of the execution so that people uh, that have a big set of rules in front of them do not need to understand them fully but just maybe run a test case and simulate that and then see hmm. how is the benefit calculated including rounding and everything yeah. cool from 10,000 foot already sounds very good so let's uh, uh, get a bit Lower now, huh? or deeper, or whatever you call it. So let's dive uh, deep. Let's dive deep. Exactly. Yeah. So if we if we talk about um, BF plus, and I think next thing what we try to uh, cover now will be what are the objects that I see if I look into uh, BF plus. Maybe yeah, just so to start to look into BF plus, I think there's a transaction for that, right? Yeah, you started with transaction code uh, BF plus. You can either um, write it with a plus sign or <laughs> write it out, um, and then you open the BF Plus Workbench. The BF Plus Workbench has on the left-hand side the navigation where you see all the objects. Mm. You can also search for objects. It's a little bit like SE80. And on the right-hand side, then you have the respective object. And uh, the first thing that you need to do is, um, when you want to create your own example, you need to create an application. Mm. An application is a little bit like, um, like a package or like a project in Java, you would probably call it project. Mm -hmm. And um, it defines some defaults for the content that you create in this application, and you can assign such an application to a package so mm -hmm. that um, you know more or less where, where this application belongs to. And everything that we now create subsequently will be part of that application, right? Exactly. You create objects inside of an application, mm -hmm. and then those objects inherit from the application, for example, mm -hmm. Uh, when you create the application, you may define it as a customizing application, mm -hmm. and therefore all the content is client-dependent and written into customizing tables and behaving accordingly. Okay. When you do that as a system application, it would be cross-client and it would be written on a workbench request. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, And there are other settings like default currency or messages, how strict are they, and things like that are defined on the application level. Okay, that's the, the home of the of the rest and there's and and everything happens within one application right or could i create 
one of the following objects and they I could use it then in different applications. Yeah. Uh, that's how, uh, how strict is that application assignment, so to say. That's um, a good a good comment. Um, of course, you can use objects across applications. So you can say I have one application which contains some objects that are to be reused in other applications, and then you can use a so-called um, uh, there, there's a setting, an access level, it's called, mm -hmm. and there you can define how an object can be used in other applications. Okay. So maybe in the same component hierarchy, maybe in also across component hierarchies. Mm -hmm. So that can be defined, and you could. It's a very valid use case to have applications with uh, reuse objects. Okay, cool. I think in the TM context, we are a bit uh, simply simplified here. For us, it's always one condition is then one application, but. Currently, we also don't have that reuse between that stuff. But okay, from conceptual perspective, that is also yeah. as always usual. But uh, I know a customer <laughs> yeah. using mm -hmm. Beer of Plus in the transportation management context, and um, they actually have reuse um, applied. Okay. And uh, they also have, as far as I know, um, an application where they have some reuse objects. Okay, good. That's the application so far. Anything else that we should? Mention for that application? No, huh? sounds. Maybe the only thing that comes to my mind right now is that the application needs to follow um, the SAP and customer namespace concept. Okay. So, mm. uh, like an, any other uh, development object, mm. whereas the other object in in Bear Plus do not follow this concept. The application more or less makes them already unique mm. and has a clear assignment to a package. So the application has to follow certain naming conventions. The rest can be named as people like to name them. Okay, good. One level deeper. So that application in itself, it's a nice cover, but you cannot do anything with it, right? And also... It's not executable. It's yeah. more like a shell. Shell, okay. So next thing, something that is executable and something that uh, the consumer, functional, technical <laughs> consumer, really can already call. That is the next level is the function, right? So... Yes. Um, but what is a function... A function can be understood can be understood like a function module without code. So it defines uh, the interface, means the parameters that are handed over, the input, or right? the input, input or mm -hmm. the parameter that uh, that are returned. Mm -hmm. uh, we call the input context. Mm -hmm. We call the result uh, that what is returned. We call that result. Mm -hmm. And the function basically has um, the purpose to define, or the the function defines a purpose. So what do I want to achieve? What is this good for? Like calculate a premium or calculate a bonus or check the application data. Mm -hmm. So it has a purpose and it defines inputs and outputs. Okay. So and you can call such a function. So it's important for the API when you want to implement BRF plus in your mm -hmm. own code. What you would do is you would always call a function. Okay. You will not call any other concepts that we will discuss later, like rules or expressions, but you would call a function because that's the contract that you have. So you can rely on that. And no matter what rules later will be in the system or how they will change, the function is what you can rely on and mm. what you can call. So in our mother-child uh, um, example from the beginning, so the input that, that would be passed to that function would most likely be divorced, yes, no. Let's, let's yes, keep, if maybe we keep it simple first. The number of children, <laughs> yeah. the age of the children, the income, the name of the person, that would all be input. Mm -hmm. And output would be maybe um, structure with a couple of fields like uh, is, she, is she entitled, yes or no. If she's not mm -hmm. entitled, maybe any kind of information why she's not entitled. Mm -hmm. And then maybe um, the benefit as an amount that she would receive. Okay. 
that would then be the output. But technically, so even so, we, we can provide the input, but in principle, you can also, we come to that later maybe, add some extra data from within then, right? So you don't have to provide everything already uh, when you call the function. Yes, you, you can, can read additional data okay. uh, during rules execution. Mm. Um, we'll cover that point later, but mm. it's a common use case that not everything can be provided upfront. Um, the person calling the function may not know what is necessary for the rules uh, as information to make a decision. Mm. Uh, so therefore, additional data can be read easily also from within the rules. Okay. So, but to simplify that, so input and output, and and that is what the function basically defines, and yeah, that's it for the function. Or is there anything yes. more that I need to know about the function as such? Um, the function has one more setting that is that may be interesting. Um, it's more from from a historic perspective. Um, in the beginning, um, the VR plus was a bit simplified, so we had exactly one so-called top expression. Mm. which could be decision table or so, we'll cover that later. Um, and we call this then functional mode. So whenever the function is called, then the expression is executed. Mm. However, later we have introduced the so-called event mode, which is much more powerful. Um, you can then uh, connect multiple role sets with a function, not just one single expression. Mm. Um, so this event, uh, this so-called um, execution mode is now defaulted to the powerful event mode. So usually you should not change that, but should you ever see that, probably go with the default as it's more powerful. Okay. Default. <clears throat> I think I have to adapt my coding a bit. I think it's <laughs> functional. Okay. I see. I learned something. Good. All right. Okay. So that's the function. So it defines input output and the processing more very high level. Yeah. So and of course, a purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, ideally, mm -hmm. um, when people read a function name or so, mm. Uh, they should understand what the function is doing. Like okay. when you have, when you create a method name, you want to describe it in a way that everybody right away understands it. Uh, very often, I recommend people to, in in a development project, to build um, so-called decision maps. So they have a process description, very high level, mm -hmm. and in this process description, um, they have a link, and they they put in the function name at various places. Mm -hmm. uh, think of a, a process diagram, and then you have at a couple of places a callout where it says. This function is called at this place, mm. and then you can link to the Beer Plus Workbench because it's a Webtoon Pro user interface, mm. Mm. and directly connect um, the function and the rules with your your process. So okay. for business people, that's a usually very good approach. Mm. Um, I have described uh, this in in one of my SDN blogs. So should you be interested in reading more about this, uh, just follow Carsten Siegler in SDN, and then you will see my my blogs. So. Uh, I will follow you then. I already do. It's good. Uh, good to do. But is there also like a group or something in SDN or, or I know there's a LinkedIn group huh, to, for BF Plus. Is um, that an active one or any recommendations? Uh, I do not work too much with uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. because there are too many networks nowadays. Mm -hmm. But the SDN group is very active and um, we have a space there okay. for mm -hmm. BF Plus. And we try to bundle all the information, documents, whatever we find. Mm. We try to make it available on this page okay. so that uh, people have a one-stop destination for information. Nice. Already something for our show notes then. So you'll find it also in the, in the show notes. Nice. Okay. Good. So we talked about application function and SDN uh, already. <laughs> so the logical next step is uh, we, we talked about that function, right, and that it has input and output, and you already mentioned uh, um Names for that. So I think the next thing is that that they well, the data object, right? Which is 
for example, used for the input yeah. and output, if I'm not wrong. So input parameters, we call them context, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and the result parameters are described by so-called data objects. So a data object can be an element, a structure, or a table. And an element is, for example, an amount, a boolean, um, a text, a time point. Mm. So that's a, a single unit of data, so to say. Uh, it's not exactly the same thing like um, a data element in other. For example, we know uh, an elementary data object called quantity or called amount. Mm. And in above, that's two fields. That's a number and a unit or a number and a currency. So for a user, it's just $5. And a user doesn't want to think of uh, that this is a structure. So they, they see this as one, one field, $5. Same as the time point. Mm. The time point can be date, can be date and time, can be timestamp. So for us, the time point is just one field of information, but technically in ABAP, it can be more, it can be mm. a couple of fields. Mm. So we know elementary data objects. We know we have structured data objects. The structure is just uh, like an ABAP, a list of, of, of other data objects. And then we have tables and the table is just a, a tabular object uh, that has a structure or an element as its line type. Mm. Now, in BRF Plus, you can also create deeply nested structures. So you could also have a structure nesting a table, um, the table itself has a structure nesting a table, so it's not always flat and simple. It can mm. also sometimes be very complex. Like real world, huh? Yeah. And those data objects, by the way, can also be bound to the dictionary so that mm. um, the binding gives you, for example, all the technical attributes. So is this a text field, a number field, and so on. Uh, but it also gives you the, the, the possible values and provides then later when the field is used in value help the right values. And we do that by um, checking in the bound object if there's a domain list or a check table, and then we mm. take those values and make them visible. So the, that you have a list of real-world data from your... Yes, it can uh, be fully integrated with the upper backend and the database. That also includes the like conversion rules, right? How to display it on the UI? Uh, not necessarily. Not, I, I know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> couldn't resist, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah, so that like for times or so, which are displayed. Yeah differently on the, UI. the, so, the mm. problem with rules is that when you maybe we, we can speak about that later too mm. when you use those rules for example in a decision table in a comparison and you say something like a contains pattern b something and then you need to do that on the internal data because mm. you cannot do that on converted on on output converted data that would lead maybe to different results like an example so, would be our mother so the, the gender would be something like uh, F for female, right? On on a, on a database, on a UI, it would say like Frau in German or, or no something. I don't know. In Spanish, maybe it's different then. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> something uh, different. And then if you say okay, if it's that value, yeah, th mm. this is no okay. problem. So mm -hmm. what we can do is we can look up and find the text. So yeah. we can show F mm. and female, mm. for example, being the text, um, or M and Mujer, mm. or yeah. <laughs> But um, so so we can show texts in in line uh, at the mm. place of usage of a field, mm. but um, output conversion sometimes gives us problems. Output mm. conversion, uh, I, I mean that for example, you have in the database you have uh, the field A, mm. and in the user interface it's one. Mm. So it's really a conversion of the value. Yep. It's not just adding a text; it's a conversion mm. of the value. And there we have we have problems. If it's say like greater than, and you see on the UI A. 
uh, one exactly. example, right? And then on the back end. And in the back end, when you yeah. ex execute the roles, it would be greater than A. So yeah. th this leads to a lot of confusion. And there yeah. we intentionally, in some places, do not do um, input-output conversion, but show the internal values. Okay, good. So that is, yeah, that, that's about the DDIC binding or the backend binding of that data object, right? So that object is uh, powerful, more powerful than just a data element in, in uh, ABAP, right? You have that extra rules and it already can consist like the quantities of two fields yes. and some rules and yeah. And you can, if you don't mm -hmm. have a DDIC type with a value help mm -hmm. or so, you can also create possible values yourself in BRF plus. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can also define some some um, settings. So for example, how can this data object be used? Can mm -hmm. it be used in a text-like comparison? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. That is something that you can define upfront. Uh, you can actually maintain the complete list of comparison operations that you want to allow. Mm. Of course, usually you go with the default that we birth plus determine for you. Mm. So Thank for you. example, when you have um, a numeric field, the default would just allow numeric comparisons. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I see. And that's also you have some description for that field, right? But yes. for the documentation, sake of documentation, you can also kind of add, I mean, that's quantity, but what exactly is that? Yes, that's uh, quality about. Okay. You have uh, for each object in Birth Plus, you have a documentation field. Mm. You have texts that can be language dependent or not. And instead of showing any technical names, usually it's better to show the texts of objects because that makes the complete um, example or the complete use case more readable for less technical people. Mm. Okay. Good. Anything else that we should or must know about data objects and forgot to mention? Yeah, maybe one yeah, limitation yeah. that is okay. asked, or one question I'm asked sometimes is, um, don't you support references, for example, like objects or mm -hmm. data references or mm -hmm. so? At the moment, we do not support that. Um, the reason is that it makes the rules modeling much more complex. Mm -hmm. So more or less, we <laughs> mm -hmm. force uh, the user that calls the plus function, that sets up the function, to, let's say, dereference, mm -hmm. you know, because else he would just more or less propagate this complexity to the person mm. defining the rules. And those people are usually not as clever as a developer. Mm. And therefore we say, no, we, at the moment we don't support Technically that. clever. That's <laughs> a cleverness then, right? Um, yeah. And maybe another also what makes things like, and that is maybe relevant for the 10,000 feet is perspective, things like code generation, et cetera. I think it also would be way more, potentially way more complicated if you would have it. Yeah, I mean, we haven't discussed that yet, yeah. but mm -hmm. um, it's maybe a good point now to to bring this up. So what we actually do is with the function, with all the content, the data objects, the roles, we translate that into ABAP code. So whenever a function is, is executed, the ABAP code is executed. So we do not read a lot of data from the database and then try in a generic piece of code to interpret that and understand that. No, we translate everything into ABAP code directly. And then uh, performance is really very good because we don't uh, waste any time collecting the data. And um, this now works for ABAP at the moment, but I'm at this time where, where I speak, I'm already involved into a couple of other programming languages. So with partners, um, we are currently working on a Java generator so that mm. in the future we cannot just generate ABAP code, but generate Java code as well. Maybe also C++, C Sharp. Um, let's mm -hmm. see how customers... Uh, ask for a demand for that and then mm. we may pro provide more but the piece of logic that we define can easily be generated also in any other language mm. yeah. okay yeah. so that's the code generation uh, aspect yeah we 
Uh, is very nice. I think we we saw the difference between the kind of the classical mode and uh, the cogeneration mode. I, I just remember we had one customer and he came up with massive uh, performance problem. And that was that happened because for some temporary problems. It was going into that so-called interpreter mode, right? So if, because mm. the, the generated coding was not usable, and it was I don't know some dimensions uh, uh, slower than than the generated code, which yeah, is the, the normal mode, right? There can be a factor of 100, 200, 300 between mm. interpreting and uh, running the generated code. Mm. Um, and I think that interpreting mode is that what you usually as an application have to do, right? If you have that table and you interpret the table and you get the data, that is yeah, what you, you fetch data from somewhere and you try to understand it and then you have um, some generic code. Hmm. Um, so You have to understand it at runtime, so to say, yeah, right? But Versus, just, just fetching mm -hmm. the data takes already much longer than um, running a generated class and hmm. method or so. So just to give you an example, um, a function with a couple of decision tables, couple of rules, formulas. Um, we we have built that and we we measured it and it took in our example um, 40 microseconds. And um, what we did is as well we 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 um, did a select a single on a buffer database table that was T100, and the select single on the buffer table took 60 microseconds. Mm. That means. Um, once buffer are, buffers are loaded for the select and for our BF plus function, uh, BF plus would execute much faster than a select single in, in many use cases. So you can have executions easily. So 40 microseconds or let, let it be 100 microseconds mm -hmm. for a complex case. This would mean you can have 10,000 uh, in a second without using parallelization. Mm. And so can it really a lot, a lot of use cases. And that is only the selection part, right? After that, you typically have to interpret that also in your coding, the data you get from yes, the database. If, yes, you're not if you wouldn't case, do it in VF Plus, um, you, of course, do not only select, you have to do something with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the key points, right? The performance uh, on the side that can never be fast enough. Yeah, that's why we normally have other, like, yeah, what <laughs> that later. Okay. So uh, now we have already our interface, right? So we have the function that we can call and we now understood also in a way that data object, I think, yeah, maybe you can later also or in a subsequent episode uh, talk about the data object like times and quantities in, in more details. But I think one thing, I think it's nice uh, to have or relevant for the data object is uh, like for quantities that if you maintain something in a quantity like in pound or so, if you're still not metric, uh, uh, then still the application um, can provide something in, say, kg or gram or microgram or whatever, and and you would then take care of that conversion as well, right? Yeah. This is true for um, quantities. Mm -hmm. So when you define a comparison like 10 kg greater than 10 pound, then mm -hmm. we would internally convert so that this comparison becomes a valid comparison, mm -hmm. and then we would return yes or no. Mm -hmm. And this is also true for currencies. So when you define, let's say, if something's more expensive than that 10 euro, then I want to go this way, else that way. And now you come in with $12 mm. and then we would convert the dollars and then compare and then continue in the process. So all that happens oh. automatically. Which conversion rate do you take in that the standard SAP? Yeah, we take a standard SAP conversion rate. However, recently we have implemented an exit. So when you don't mm -hmm. like our conversion logic, you could plug in your own conversion logic. <laughs> this was done for our friends from pricing mm -hmm. that also yeah, yeah. use VF Plus now. 
uh, they have some very special logic and uh, yeah i think yeah. sometimes you have like pricing dates so you have to convert take the conversion rate from a day different from today or so huh? yeah so, Let, fi finally <laughs> I, i would say 99 point something percent mm. our logic is fine mm. but should it not be fine there is an exit and then more or less you can implement the conversion yourself based on your own logic mm. as an application or even as a end user then finally right whoever yeah. wants to do that okay good Anything else for you? And same data objects we yeah, what what we can do in terms of conversion with the time point is we can also say, for example, you have a timestamp and now you compare this with a date. Hmm. So we can automatically then take the date out of the timestamp, or when you have a date and compare it with the timestamp, we can uh, make a date a timestamp so that the comparison becomes a valid comparison. So we try to automate a lot of things so that users do not need to know about this complexity when they build the rules. Yeah. So meanwhile, we also make use of all that uh, special uh, handling. We started simple, but now also on TM, we I think we are calling that, uh, feeding that elements uh, correctly. So that should also. Yeah, but that's a common more. case mm -hmm. that you think, ah, oh, this is a very simple thing. Uh, let's um, maybe sometimes you think, do we really need rules for that? It's just so simple, but things uh, grow mm -hmm. into higher complexity automatically. And when you speak to customers. No customer is the same. All the customers are somewhat, somewhat different. Yeah. And um, they have a lot of ideas how to introduce something, what to introduce, that you yeah. never think of. And uh, that's exactly the idea of Graph Plus. You implement the call, and then more or less you let the customer do whatever they like to do yeah. with it. You can rely on that you can call it because you have to find the function. Yeah. Um, you, you know what you have to pass, and you know what you will get back. And the way they find the result is more or less up to them. And this can be simple, like mm. just a decision table, or this can be really very complex. I've seen use cases with hundreds of decision tables being used in one function only. Okay. So already mentioning decision tables, I think we have to get closer now. <laughs> so we have our interface, we have the uh, function, which is called, and now I think we come to the actual processing the rules, okay. uh, so to say, yeah. right, already. So, set rules. so what happens with inside the function? Right? Yeah. That's next. So the function itself has no logic. It defines input, it defines output, as I mentioned, like a function module without any code. Mm. Now the question is, where does the code come yep. from? And um, we group all the artifacts in so-called rule sets. So a rule set is just a collection of rules. And the rule is the if-then-else thing. So mm. if condition is true, then do something else, do something else. Of course, the condition is optional. So if you don't have a condition, you would just execute something. Hmm. Now, what is this something? This something is an expression, like okay. a decision table, for example. We'll discuss that later. Mm -hmm. Now, you have um, a number of rule sets. You have a number of rules. And you may also assign multiple rule sets to one function. So, for example, you may have one function to check the data, another function, for example, in the eligibility case. Hmm. Is she eligible? Yes or no? Uh, rule set number one would do the check and would set the flag. Mm. Rule set number two would do the calculation. How much does she get? Within one function, right? Within one function. Okay. So we can have mm. a big number of rule sets, rule sets assigned to one function. And you can also with have a sequence also. And then? with a sequence, you okay. can define mm. first this, then that. Mm. And you can also define preconditions. So should she not be entitled, mm. the second rule set to calculate uh, the, the, the money she gets will mm. not be executed. Okay. So you can also control that by preconditions. With just sorry, uh, asking. so you have, bit, I asked now a bit slow, just so to make sure I understand. So you have that function, you have like this two rule set assigned with a defined sequence, right? Yeah. And then would I 
within that rule sets define uh, how to proceed, or is that kind of on, on a function level where you embed that two rule sets no. where you say continue or not? Okay, mm. no, uh, uh, the way how it works is as follows. Um, the function does actually not even know which rule sets are assigned to it. Okay. So this information is stored on rule set level. Mm -hmm. So each rule set has um, a function assignment. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it knows as an attribute which function it belongs to. It has uh, the precondition, it has the priority. Mm. Function or functions, just for the sake of uh, One function. So one, one function. rule set points to one function. Okay. The advantage of this approach is that you can, in a very flexible way, combine rule sets and functions in that sense um, that you can have the function being a workbench object, being delivered, being cross-client, mm. and the rule set being a customizing object, mm. being valid within a client, um, so that you can combine it this way and... Um, yeah, that, that, that's actually the main purpose. Okay. Now, as I mentioned, a rule set is a collection of rules. So you can have one rule in a rule set. You can have, I think, the maximum is 255 rules. Ah, that's nice. 55 or 56, I do not exactly remember. <laughs> um, I think it's just an integer. You start with zero, right? It's counting? Um, no, <laughs> we are not Java, we are other. Okay. Um, and you mm. can have also rule set variables. Mm. So you you asked uh, some time ago, um, mm. can I read additional data? Yes, mm. you can. You can define rules and variables. That's nothing else than data objects. And then you can uh, define so-called initialization expressions. That is expressions to read additional data, like, mm. for example, fetching it from the database or calling any other code. And then you have this data in those rules and variables being available like any other context data. That means you can use it in if statements and expressions. You could, for example, write something like if... Um, gender is female, mm. then do the following. Mm. And gender would be um, the field in the context. Okay, that, that's the input for, yeah. for the function and pass from the function to that rule set. Yeah, but within right? the rule set, mm. uh, there is no difference made anymore between a rule set variable mm. and the function input. Those are just fields or structures mm. or tables, and they can be used in the rules. So you could say I have that for that uh, first rule where you check the uh, if it's true or not at all, or eligibility, right, was the word. Um, mm. uh, so you could get that gender in and the number of kids, and then the, let's say, the threshold of or how many kids uh, is okay, or what's the minimum number of kids, that could then come from a different source, right? That's what you mentioned, that it could say that that number could come from a different yeah. data source again, just yeah, as an course. example. I okay. mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you could say you only pass in something like a business partner ID mm -hmm. or a person ID. Mm -hmm. And inside of the rule set, the first thing that you do is you read um, the, the, the personal data. So how many mm -hmm. children, how old are those children, mm -hmm. uh, income. So you read this with um, initialization expressions or from within the rules mm. and write this as rule set variables into the then global context mm. means function input, function result, and rule set variable mm. that forms the context of the rule set. Mm. And then you have this data available and you can use it. Available within that rule set. Within that rule set. Okay. And ways of, just for sake of completeness, ways of uh, reading additional data, you already mentioned database selects, right? Yeah. Then there's ABAP, function with method calls? I yeah, we have a lot of expressions yeah. and um, usually you read data with uh, database lookup expressions mm -hmm. that allow you to do a select or existence check or mm -hmm. aggregation, everything like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Or you do it with a call procedure expression. A call procedure expression allows you to call any other method 
it must be a static one, but can call any other method or any function module. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the way how additional data is read. Um, some um, users of BRF plus have extended BRF plus with own expression types. Um, of course, there are al mm -hmm. also other ways how to read data. Mm -hmm. um, BRF plus is a pretty open framework. So mm -hmm. if its capabilities are not enough, then uh, applications and customers can enhance it with new okay. capabilities. I think there's one uh, technically impressive uh, option, which is the, like an implicit uh, Bob callback mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing, yeah. which I was very impressed by. But uh, also, that's pretty complex. And so that's maybe an example of uh, application-specific yeah. ways of yeah, I, I do not know this expression type well. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I haven't. As I said, it's it was an extension to BF+. Mm -hmm. It was not created by me or my group. Yeah. Um, but examples of, uh, for example, um, um, I think in a social environment, there is really an expression type uh, reading business partner data. Mm. Um, so I think that's also something like web service call, right? Or did I? That's also not provided by by me. Okay. Um, so an expression to call a web service is maybe also an extension. Mm -hmm. However, um, when we speak about web services, uh, I can take a function and make it a web service. So when oh, I build my rules, everything. Mm -hmm everything is completed and it's working fine, then I can generate a web service out of this function. So for any um, caller that is not on the upper platform, he may mm. then call the web service. Okay, good. So that is the rule set and not, did we already talk about the rule itself? Yeah, I, I slightly touched it. So okay. the rule, as I said, is an if then else thing. So it's more a text-like expression. Mm. So it can be very, um, yeah, it, it can be nearly natural language. Um, you can also have this translated into any language so that uh, in German it would be wenn, Bedingung, dann. Uh, so um, rules are very much used for organization when to call which expression. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, we may find out that the person belongs to specific programs, support programs, and then you can def could define a rule like if support program is I don't know, maternity leave, mm. and then execute the following five or 10 expressions to calculate something. Yeah. Um, as I said, the if statement is, is optional. Mm. You do not need to define a condition. Then the rule would just include a bunch of instructions, means a, bun a bunch of expressions to be called from there. Okay, expressions, we come to that later. That's the actual the processing logic, so to say, right? The rule would more be like still a cover around that Actual decision. I mean, okay, that if it's already yeah. Uh, already yeah, an a part of a decision. Or? An expression is is mm -hmm. a self-contained entity. It works on the context, and it returns a result. Mm -hmm. It's probably best to understand expression like a, like a formula. So we also mm -hmm. have a formula expression. Yeah. Uh, you can write a formula using the context data, mm -hmm. uh, like for example, um, take the number of days in a month. Mm -hmm. multiply that with a certain supporting factor so that in mm -hmm. the end you have maybe, I don't know, 500 euros as supporting um, payout or so. And um, so it works on the context. It can take any of the data in mm -hmm. the context and return then a result. And this uh, result can then be used in the rules for the next rule. Mm -hmm. So you can then continue to work with this result in the next rule. So one rule could then have like one, two, three, five formulas in a row. If, yes, if the expression would be a formula. Yeah, that, that, that's a very common um, example mm -hmm. because um, 
in the past, uh, we had a, a tool called uh, Formula Builder, which was a DynPro tool, mm. and it forced people to build really very big and complex formulas. And in Birth Plus, you can, instead of having one big formula, you can mm. write a lot of small formulas and nest them into each other, mm. or let one formula return a result, and so that you really have a variable, have a value in hand, mm. and then use this in another formula. So by this you can really crack up complex formulas into smaller pieces and later in the in the in the execution trace when we run the rules we can very well understand how a formula executes each step mm. will be explained each intermediate result is visible mm. and then you know exactly how your calculation works mm. and it's not i mean that formula was not one example of an expression only right so yes, maybe the formula is one example we have other mm. expressions other expression types we say Expression belongs to an expression type. Mm. So expression types that are very popular are, for example, decision tables. Yep, that's uh, also our starter. So if we just create our condition, then we embed the decision table, right? So, so yeah. what for those which are starting, what what is a decision table? Yeah, a decision basically? table is a little bit like an Excel spreadsheet. You have columns that define conditions. A condition is again something like greater than ten or mm. equals to A, B, C. So in the header section of the decision table, you have the columns, the column names, which mm. are very often just data objects. And then you have uh, in the content area, you have your conditions. Mm. And then you have result columns. And when all conditions in one row match, then the result columns are returned. So for example, mm. um, you have one column gender. And mm. in the decision table, you have one row male and one row female. Mm. And then you assign maybe some points or I don't know. More points for females, of course. Sure. Hmm. And then, yeah, how, how would you I often get that question? So I have that table now with female and, and, and male, and there might be like also fallback logic for, for the rest <laughs> in, in the middle or so. <laughs> um, how would you go? Would you go top down or button up or start in the middle or? If I if have the decision table in front of yeah. me. So how the, what are you Okay, doing? the de decision table executes from top to bottom. Always. And always, yes. Yeah. And uh, we know different modes. For example, the default mode is the first match. Mm -hmm. So you have the most specific entries at the top. Yeah. And maybe you will have an overall default at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, so if it doesn't find anything, it will run into the default case and re return something to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, But we also know a best match mode, uh, an all match mode where you do not uh, only return one result, but you, the decision table may return you multiple results, or maybe also no result if there is no match. Mm. Um, you can define a nearly unlimited number of condition columns, result columns. Uh, you can define what comparison should be possible in a column. You can uh, check the decision table for consistency, for completeness, mm. uh, for it being free of overlaps. You can mm. export that into Microsoft Excel, maintain it there, import again into BF Plus from Excel. So uh, there's a lot of features around the decision table. The decision table can be considered the most important expression type in BF in Plus. Mm. Okay. The most often used expression type in BF Plus. Okay. For some customers, we had to extend the capabilities of the decision table. So in the first version of the decision table, a couple of hundred rows were the maximum. Now we have seen decision tables that have more than 20,000 rows. That is still possible. We have internally optimized the decision table very much so that the code that we generate never executes one uh, condition cell 
multiple times. So mm -hmm. it can detect that this condition was already executed in previous rows, and therefore it would just uh, overtake the result from previous executions, and therefore the decision table execution is very much optimized. Okay, so that is a kind of bread and butter a starter for for a typical use case maybe and not, if it's not yeah. formula so if i just have an if i have that and that and that input no, no, that's, that's my output no? that's very very valid to say what, mm -hmm. what, what you said um when i speak to business people or people that don't know beer plus well i show them decision tables and i try then to structure their use case using decision tables yeah. so i say okay this could become a decision table that could become a decision table that put, could become a decision table mm -hmm. And quickly we define a bunch of decision tables and then we can with rules organize when is the decision table called. Yeah. So first call this decision table, take its result. Should the result be like this or that, go into the next decision table, mm -hmm. take back the result and so on and so forth. And uh, sometimes then you, you also use a little formula here or there, mm -hmm. but just using decision tables and rules, you can already achieve a lot. Makes it easier yeah. to collect data as well. Yeah. Mm. So, and you can also, We already covered now, started with formulas and decision tables. I think one of the key, key and killer features of BF Plus is that you can very elegantly also combine the two, right? So if I have, like we are, we have one example for our loading duration determination where you have like something like a fixed, um, factor, which you maintain, uh, maybe like, uh, you have as input, you have the number of pellets and maybe Other input, uh, like the location, first location, uh, or so, where that happens. And then we may have different, like, uh, means of transport. So for truck and, 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 and rail, you would have like different loading factors. And that factors then can come from a decision table, right? So yes. as a formula and then the actual factor that should be applied, that comes from a separate table then. So I don't have to have like two formulas or so. But I could also combine the two. Yeah, you can have mm -hmm. a decision table that returns you a factor that you then right away use in a formula. Mm -hmm. So is... either you have the decision table return a, a, a result variable, mm -hmm. which you then have as a rules it variable or in the context, mm -hmm. and then you use this variable in your formula, but you could also directly nest the decision table into the formula. Mm -hmm. That's also possible. Okay. And vice versa, right? It's more or less and vice free versa. Uh, a, a formula may also do a calculation and you may use the formula as a condition, as mm. an input. So you may say, if this formula returns more than 20 as a result, then line one, cell one is true and you, you continue. Mm. Else this row one is not okay. Can check row number two if it matches. Okay. So you can use a formula as an input condition. You can also use in a result cell a formula. Mm to not just return a simple result from a decision table, but a calculated result. Mm. So that's one of the main uh, features of Graph Plus that you can, uh, in a very flexible way, combine the different building blocks to build your logic. Uh, however, it's totally up to you how you want to do mm. that. We don't force you into anything. Uh, the only limiting factor is that, um, of course, from a data point of view, uh, the operation needs to be possible. So when I see, for example, that the decision table returns me let's say a Boolean value, yeah. then I may not be able to use in a formula, uh, this value in a, in a, um, I don't know, multiplication or so. Mm. Yeah. So the formula would then tell you this cannot work. Mm. By the way, I, we spoke a little bit about the formula. Uh, very important here is that, um, you can also extend the capabilities of the formula. 
So we have a lot of so-called formula functions, for example, date-time calculations, mm. like uh, you also find that in Excel. Uh, yeah, but um, sometimes that's not enough. So you can easily write your own uh, function module and plug that in to the formula and yeah. extend the formula capabilities by that. And maybe coming back to, I mean, extending is uh, of course very appreciated, but I think there's already tons available. Like we have one example, I really, it's one of my showcases where we have something like, it's a uh, certain document has been created like five working days ago, or it is a third working day of a certain month. Yeah? So two complete different things. And, and all that is done with, with data available within uh, BF Plus, with that kind of yeah. second working day of a month. Uh, yeah, we have formula mm -hmm. functions that return you, for example, the day of the, uh, you, you give a date and we tell you the day. Mm. Or you give us two dates and we tell you working days in between, mm. or we tell you days in between. Or you give us a date and um, and we just add months to that. Mm. So not just adding s simply 60 days or so, we can mm. add three months. Mm. So um, a, t um, a 29th of January mm. plus one month may result in a 28th of February mm. and not in, in March or so. Mm. So there's a lot of built-in functionality. Uh, usually, you should not be forced to write your own stuff. Mm. But if you sh if you need to do that, if customers need to do that again, um, for for SAP standard for, um, development, it's a very elegant way of getting rid of all this pain. Mm. Is this what I do? Is this sufficient, or will there be customers that need more? Mm. You don't need to take care for that. Mm. Uh, you use Bear Plus; it offers a lot. And if it doesn't offer enough, there are many ways of extending it. Now, in the formula, there's one more thing that is very important. When you use quantities, and the quantity is, for example, miles per hour, and you multiply that with another quantity, which is, for example, a, a time quantity, then BF Plus can detect that and cancel mm -hmm. out um, the time dimension. So 20 miles per hour multiplied by, let's say, one hour mm -hmm. would result in 20 miles. So it can cancel out the time. Oh, so it can cool. understand the quantity. Oh, that's nice. I think I can also use it now for my older son's homework now. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Check like that. Cool. Ah, I didn't know that. Cool. So you perform, yeah, that is aware of the context of what you're doing there. Yeah. Kind of, right? We, now, we, we, mm -hmm. in the quantity, we can define the dimension also. Mm -hmm. So we can say this quantity is only allowed to take mass dimensions mm -hmm. or so. And then we can further provide the right value help so that you only get mass values. Mm -hmm. And uh, the formula can, of course, make use of all of that. Yeah. So we already talked for that formula. We talked about all, all that date and time magic. Is there other and quantity conversion? And is there other things you'd like to mention on that one? For the or formula? Like for the formula, yeah, for that object? Um, don't Sorry. remember anything. Okay, it's cool enough already. Okay. Huh? So, <laughs> yeah, maybe enough for that so that so we I think talked now about the formulas uh, we talked about the um, decision table as an expression I think one more um, expression I would like to be curious to hear more about and when to use it also is the decision tree so okay, we actually have two trees a decision tree and a search tree okay um, they the difference is that the one is a binary tree Mm. Um, on a node you have a condition mm. and then you have exactly two children 
one for the true case and one mm. for the false case. Okay. And then you can have a result on, on such a, a mm. child or you can have a further condition. Mm. So uh, such a tree will make sure that you always have exactly one result. Okay. Uh, the search tree is different. The search tree is very much like a decision tree. You can have any number of children and you have the condition on the branch. So you can say um, one branch is greater five, the next branch is greater 10, the next branch is greater 20. Okay. So you can have any number of actually, uh, you can have any number of children and you can have any number of um, true nodes and results. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you may also have none, none which is true. Mm -hmm. So very much like in case of a decision table, you can have multiple results if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, we know a first match, a best match and an all match mode. And so, let's take that example with greater than five and greater than 10. If I now come in with, uh, say, or then a third one, uh, uh, greater than. Uh, there's a sequence. 25. There's a sequence. There's for a that sequence, yes. Branch of 10. Okay. Yeah, of course, you could also be more explicit saying zero to five, six to mm -hmm. 10, 11 to 20 or so. Mm -hmm. That's totally up to you how you set it up. Um, But as you said, I, I can also return more than one result. And in that case, it would make sense that I have like. Yeah, two, two valid trees. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, when you want maybe more than one result, it may be perfectly fine mm -hmm. to say greater five, greater 10. And then the execution would run into both cases mm -hmm. and, and look for results. Maybe they are nested nodes, mm -hmm. but look for results and uh, just collect all the results that are actually valid. Means all condition nodes have been passed with a true mm -hmm. uh, result. And then you have the overall uh, result that consists maybe of multiple values. Okay. Or you don't find any right. any end node means any result, and you don't have a value. Um, I, think, yeah, I think that's something that can always happen, right? That like also on the decision table, I can have yes. no result. Yeah, there is a setting um, to make sure that you have. Um, if you don't find a result, you will get a default result, which is an initial value. Uh, Where is that setting? In in the definition of the decision uh, table or the search tree, okay. you can set that. Um, But you don't have to. I think no result is also a valid result, right? So that can mean nothing special defined for that case. So I can also default to my application default if I like. Or I define a default. Also usually the best approach is that you define really a default row or a default node so mm. that you intentional, intentionally return mm. a specific uh, result of the decision table. Yeah. So for just an example, um, in the category, in which category are we? If we cannot identify the category, we may just introduce a value no category. Mm -hmm. And then in the subsequent rule, we may say if the category is no category, then maybe we compose an error message or something like that. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, so that was now the decision tree, which is kind of uh, always like really like a tree. So I always in, will end up in one leaf finally, exactly one. The decision leaf. tree is the binary tree. Yeah where I always have exactly one leaf and the search tree is the non-binary where it can where, have multiple. Where I can have a sack full of leaves uh, yes. at the end. Okay, so where all the results, and that makes sense, I think, then that's a really use case uh, dependent if I use the one or the other, right? Yeah, there are many ways that finally uh, lead to a result for the client and mm. we try to give him the tools that he may like best and he can mm. then decide how he does it. Mm. So some customers... Some people like it, this treeway mm -hmm. style, so they may define some trees. I'm fine with that. I mean, okay, but let's say from a functional perspective, I think I could ex just from my other thing, I could express everything in a decision table that I can also, let's say, can maybe easier express in the decision or search tree. Or is there also something 
a search tree or a decision tree can do, which a decision table yeah, can't. Yeah, there's one thing a search tree can do that a decision table cannot do as of today. Okay. So a search tree knows the so-called best match mode. Mm -hmm. So in case you do not find the result where everything is true, mm -hmm. the best match mode will return you um, the result uh, for the branch where most conditions have been evaluated to true. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, this can be very helpful. So you know, okay, not all my conditions I defined are true. I cannot return this result. Mm -hmm. But in this branch, I have five that return to true, whereas in all other branches, I have less. So mm -hmm. you return the best result in that sense. And sense means most expressions are true. It's not like in our five and 10 kg case. If I have 12, that would be in that sense identically true, right? Or identically good, the two matches. Or is that also kind of closer uh, evaluation on, on that one. So uh, that I return uh, a repeated example uh, for question. So if I have like a, a search tree with values greater than five and greater than 10. Yeah, okay. And now I come with 11. Yeah, so both would be evaluated as mm. one. One would be evaluated true, therefore it counts one. Mm. And then we would go for the, we would continue both branches but maybe in one branch, then the next condition is not true. And in the other one, the next condition is true. Mm. Therefore, this branch branch would automatically be rated higher okay, because so it has more positive conditions. Okay, so you, do doesn't, you don't make it up to the leaf, but you then stop uh, where, where the uh, um, ast, uh, where branch. <laughs> the branch is smaller, so to say. So the further you go... Um, the, the yeah. deeper you go, the more mm. it's qualified, so okay. to say. And that is something you cannot really do in a decision table, right? No, you can't do okay. this today. And okay, and in a, in a decision tree, anywhere you always have to end up somewhere. Yes. There's no... Uh, okay, so formula, decision table, decision tree, search tree. Is uh, there more expression there types more. Uh, that we should know? <laughs> there are many more. Um, okay, we have time. <laughs> A very small and simple one is, for example, a random expression. It yeah. returns you just a random number given um, upper lower limits that you define, or it returns you true or false given a probability that you define. Um, for example, in insurance, that's very important. So check every tenth case in more detail. Uh, therefore, you use okay. a, random, a random expression. Okay. We have uh, free Boolean expressions that allow you to connect any number of conditions with and or not parentheses. So you could say all of those conditions need to be true or if any of those conditions is true or so so you can freely define a Boolean condition there. Mm. We have a so-called table operation expression. A table operation expression performs um, some, some check on tabular data like for mm. example are there many entries in this table true for this and this and this condition mm. uh, are there more than five entries true mm. how many entries does the table have um, or it can return you the first entry uh, matching a specific condition mm. or the last entry matching a specific condition it can aggregate over columns can also combine this with conditions so give me the sum over income um, for all the people that are i don't know born in this country or born in that country or whatsoever mm. So those kind of things can be defined without the need to, to define the loop, what you would need to do in other. Mm. Yeah. In the, it's in the table. Oh, in okay. the table operation expression. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then, of course, you can uh, have such an expression return your value that you then continue to use maybe in a decision table or in a formula. Um, there's another expression. So should the table operation not be powerful enough or so you can use an explicit loop expression? Mm-hmm. So a loop expression works on tabular data. So for each entry in this table, perform the following set of rules. And then you have the same rule concept as in the rule set. Mm. It can also just uh, repeat until a condition is true. So uh, there are actually and then return modes. something again, right? Yeah, I think the, every exactly. expression would get input and return something, which then exactly every expression mm. works on the context and returns something. Okay. Mm. And uh, you can have just do a number of times or do while or do until and just repeat a bunch of rules until a certain condition is met. We spoke about the call procedure, uh, the database mm. lookup expression. Mm. So just fetching data from the database or checking for existence of data yeah. using aggregation modes. And uh, we have the call procedure expression, which allows you to call into other, into other methods, mm. uh, into function modules. Um, and then you pass parameters from the context to the function or to the method. And the method may return you any data. Mm. And you can then map this to the data objects in the context. Okay. So tons of uh, expression available more or less for yeah there are some more Um, usually my recommendation is um, when I speak to business people um, learn three four concepts Mm. like understand what a function is what rules rule set is understand decision table and formula and uh, then Mm. um, when you need more then um, selectively more expressions are introduced Mm. but with this um, combination you can already achieve a lot Okay. Is there any kind of implication of using it in terms of like performance? So of course, if it's more complex, it takes more time. But I know, or I, I think that I remember that some of those are may not support that code generation we talked about. Uh, no, before. they all support code generation. Okay. Um, nowadays, uh, everything supports code generation. There's okay. just one exception of um, the dynamic expression. Uh, I don't want to speak much about that because it's really a very exotic case. Okay. And this just cannot be generated as a dynamic expression um, dynamically knows which expression to to call next. Mm. So there's there are some limits. Therefore, a recommendation is rather not to use that. Okay. There are really very, very few use cases where this could become relevant. Mm. Usually you don't need that. So all the expressions generate. Of course, when you call up a code or when you do a database lookup, performance depends much on... Uh, do you hit an index or not? And yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. like like ABAP coding. Oh. Good. Anything else about expressions that we should know? Or yeah, there are a bunch of expression types that have been added by users of BR Plus. Yeah. So when you try out BR Plus, you may find some of those in the BR Plus workbench. Mm-hmm. Um, like TRM, Tax and Revenue Management, they mm-hmm. have added expressions, and Social has added expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not know those expressions, so don't expect me to tell you what this is. How, how would I find out? So is there a good place for expression type for those expression types to get some more insights? Uh, um, what you can do is uh, on the expression type user interface, you can uh, navigate to the definition of the expression type. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can navigate to the application. And there you usually see which package this belongs to. Uh, when it's done right, you also have documentation for those expression mm-hmm. types, like you have documentation for the BFLUS expression types. Mm-hmm. But as I said, since I'm not responsible for that, I don't know if that was really done. Okay. 
maybe relevant for the um, TM interested mm -hmm. people, the um, BOP um, expression, which retrieves some uh, BOP data, can also be used. Um, it's quite complex, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, even though it has some minor limitation, it cannot be generated. Mm. Uh, it is fairly useful for cases where you don't expect the rule to be called many, many times in a short amount of time. Yeah, so, so that's okay. okay that you provide the like the ninety percent of the data provided, and the exotic case that is ex expensive correct. to read, that would be then outsourced to that uh, Bob lookup. Uh, correct. Okay. Huh? Why that? Why is it not generated? I mean, it could be generated. It's probably it could be not generated. It's not implemented. Not been done yet. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And I think that may also be related to that colleague that build it is not in charge anymore. So on that topic. So uh, I don't think that in the near future it will be generated. Mm. <laughs> Should anybody mm. listening to this podcast or, or session here be interested in creating an own expression type, I have a paper that's available internally that describes all the steps that need to be done to create an own expression type. Okay, so anyway, I think we have that. Uh, we will post the SDN group, etc. So somebody mm. would be interested would contact you then on SDN if he's sure. external, then right, and then you sure. Okay, because that is now the podcast goes to the world. Uh, so good. But I think for high level, any kind of uh, Best practices when to use what, or that's really use case dependent. No, as I mentioned, uh, keep it simple in the beginning. It will grow mm -hmm. in complexity automatically, mm -hmm. and people new to the topic may feel um, overloaded when you introduce too many new things mm -hmm. to them. So I rather keep it simple and say, "Hey, those are the five important things you need mm -hmm. to learn." So I show them those things and try to build their use case with that. Mm -hmm. And when they are then familiar with that, then they find out the rest themselves. Usually, they. Yeah. They may start to become curious about the, the other stuff and then mm. they just try it out and learn it. Also, that depends uh, also on, on where this BF Plus uh, use case is embedded in which kind of application. So, mm -hmm. for example, a GRC, uh, I think the regulation is um, governance uh, regula regulations and compliance. What they do is they um, monitor tables or table entries and look for anomaly anomalies to report or generate alerts. Okay. So in that case, uh, a usual pattern, if you like, or a usual um, expression that that, that uh, you would use is um, a loop expression. And then inside the loop expression, maybe a decision table or another expression just to loop through those entries. Mm -hmm. In the case of team conditions, it depends uh, how this condition is embedded, if what is expected. Mm -hmm. And that would also greatly influence which expressions you would end up uh, for example, in, in your in your use case for determining durations so mm -hmm. of loading, the most um, uh, immediate expression would be the, the formula, mm -hmm. right? So that um, that's that would also affect which expressions you would use. Okay, so of course it's use case dependent, but I think there's some overlap between, for example, search tree and decision table. But then you would recommend to start with a decision table because of that. Excellent interface to get started and maybe later if you see, okay, now I know that one and for the sake of ease of maintenance, maybe like decision or search tree might be easier because you're already in that branch and you're, and I think in the decision table, you may have to repeat the initial values. Like if you have a, like an you ocean can, and air case, you could mm -hmm. copy the uh, lines mm -hmm. in the decision table too. So yeah, but then for maintenance, yeah, but overall, mm -hmm. um, 
as I mentioned, it's a good start to stick to some to a few expression types, mm. not um, just show every expression type to the to the people, mm. and um, they will then quickly understand that, and uh, the rest will mm. come automatically. And then, as as you mentioned, we can also combine, right? So yes. For my my standard use case for decision tree is and always if I have like an ocean and an air case, yeah, and then be, be behind that potentially a decision two different decision table because the logic is then different. Then maybe the combination of a decision tree first to go into air or ocean would make sense. But as you mentioned, you could also yeah. do that already in the rule set, right? That would be another. There are many option. ways that lead mm -hmm. to a good result, and uh, maybe after some time, um, people find the roles not nice enough not mm -hmm. i don't know they need to extend it whatsoever mm -hmm. so they change it over time okay it's absolutely valid that just coming back to a decision table and excel upload uh, that is a feature exclusive that I upload download to decision tables or is there also some ways of kind of up download uh, Things like a search tree or so just... Yeah, we, we looked into this, mm. um, up and downloading of search trees, but um, we didn't find a good solution because mm. um, easily you introduce um, lines into the decision table, which we then cannot understand anymore. Mm. Um, so um, the, the, the Excel sheet is just best fitting to a decision table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can download into an, X, an XML file mm. and upload from there. But that's not really um, mm. a file users would change. Okay, yeah, that's nothing like an industry standard for rules that we could map to. And there back. are standards, okay. but unfortunately, um, they are not really worth a lot because they cover only a very small fraction of the overall functionality, mm. and um, no real standard practice of what should be part of it of, of a rules engine. Mm. How exactly the concept should look like. Uh, nothing like that has really been established. It's not okay. like PMP, uh, uh, business process management notation, where you have a industry de facto standard. Mm. Um, unfortunately, for rules, that's not not true. Okay, so it's no, there's also no IDOC for IDOC for rules. So no. <laughs> okay, so that if we talk about export import, that would be basically Excel for decision tables then in a. Really yeah, I mean, if you mm -hmm. want to export import in a sense that people maintain roles outside of the Bearfast workbench, yep. mm -hmm. then it would be Excel. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, if you just have a technical export import, then you would reuse uh, the XML files. Okay. Good. I think a lot of expressions, uh, and we already touched it to a certain degree. Um, maybe for today, enough for that expression thing. Maybe there can be another follow-up to deep dive into the separate ones, but uh, maybe high-level yeah, that's it for expressions. A okay, a little bit more. Okay, um, please. We also know uh, actions. Yeah. Actions are um, technically like expressions. Mm -hmm. The difference is that actions uh, trigger side effects or do something outside of BF Plus. They do not just return a result. Mm -hmm. They actually do not really return a result. And, but they do something outside. That means, for example, with actions, we can achieve to send an email, mm -hmm. to write a message into the message log, the SAP message log, mm -hmm. to raise a business event, and maybe somebody is registered to that event, and maybe workflow then starts. Mm -hmm. However, we can also, with an action, start a workflow directly. Uh, of course, we can also call um, ABAP code again. Mm -hmm. If something's implemented in ABAP, we can, from an action, call that. So that is more or less the the more interactive part where we um, 
yeah, really um, triggers something outside of Creative Plus. Mm. And a very common use case is even if we don't want to to control or, or to, to to start a process, a very common use case is just to get an email or write mm. into the message log uh, to inform somebody. So, for example, now we went into a rule, um, and this rule had the following set of input parameters, which uh, maybe we haven't thought about yet. Mm. So the, you, you more or less in the rules build your standard case that you are mm. aware of, and whenever you come across something where you hit maybe any default lines that mm. you you thought that would not be relevant, then you just have the tool send you an email that you get to know about it. And you can dynamically compose emails using the context. So mm. you can just uh, put in every information that you need from the context mm. that you need later to understand um, yeah, this specific case. And then, of course, the uh, recipient of the mail could come from a decision table again, I hope. Huh? It can be <laughs> fully dynamic. You yeah. can not just send it to one, but to many mm. people. Yeah. Uh, you could write a spam machine with Creative Plus. No yeah, and a fast one, right, with the code generation? Uh, a very fast <laughs> one, yes. I see. Okay. Actually, this is something that happened to me when I tried out um, the dynamic uh, feature of, 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 of the email action. Um, <laughs> I used that within a loop statement. <laughs> I forgot about that, and um, when I've sent out a couple of thousand emails, uh, unfortunately, I used any dummy emails, so it, uh, the the feedback flooded my inbox, saying that this is not a valid email address, <laughs> and my inbox was down for an hour or so, receiving all those emails. <laughs> yeah. I see. Yeah, maybe a good use case what was uh, Philippe's example, right, for that irregularity check, then if you then find something, then take some yeah, action. Which yeah. is your action. Okay. I mean, you could also make it more, develop it in a more serious way, directly triggering a workflow. Somebody mm -hmm. has to look at that. Now you mm -hmm. have your work item, please do that. Yeah. Uh, typically, expressions are not created that often on, 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 custom, on, on the customer side or from users of Beer of Plus. But action types are created a lot. Mm. So most of the, of, of, of the extensions are really uh, application-specific action types. Mm -hmm. And an action is same like an expression. You can use the document I mentioned to create your own action type mm. um, easily. And um, so actions are very often specific to to use cases, whereas expressions mm. are much less specific to use cases. And the delivered actions are the email, are the yeah. So in oh. in the in the Beer Plus core, mm. we have a start workflow, raise business event, um, write a message into the message log send an email and it's um, the call procedure means call other code and then there's a big number of action types provided by um, using applications mm -hmm. in social text and revenue management and so on okay nice yeah something not very much used in the tm space so far but uh, yeah no problems you yep. don't use birth plus to trigger any actions you mm -hmm. use it mainly to return you a exactly. result you make mm -hmm. a decision so to say and then you take this decision and oh. or the result and then continue the process. That's absolutely fine use case. Yeah, yeah, but I also want to make use as much as possible. Let's see where we can use it. Nice. Questions? Covered high level actions um, as well. So there is one more thing we wanted to talk to, about today, uh, and that is the catalog thing. So yeah. what is that? Never heard about it. Okay, so... Short time. In Birth Plus, yeah. you may see customers that have not just one simple use case, but they have 
tons of, of functions of expressions. Mm -hmm. So I know one customer, they have, I think, at least 500, 600, 700 functions. And uh, different groups have different functions, uh, owners of different function functions. So you have one team owning their 10 functions, another team owning their 20 functions, and mm -hmm. so on. Now, some of those teams... Sorry, owning means being responsible of the maintenance of the user. Being responsible of, of, of the rules. Mm -hmm. And um, then the rules are implemented somewhere. The call to the rules is implemented somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's usually done by IT, but they mm -hmm. are business analysts or rules analysts, and they are responsible for the rules. Okay. And um, it can be a very good idea to create so-called uh, rules catalogs. So you can imagine uh, or yeah, just in a standard like in Microsoft Explorer, where you create your folders, mm -hmm. you would in a rules catalog also create your folders. You can create um, links. You can uh, then put objects into those folders. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, create a hierarchy and create a structure for your content. Mm -hmm. And instead of telling somebody, you go to the BFS workbench and search for something, mm -hmm. you can configure for those persons that certain catalogs are automatically populated and the navigation starts on the catalog view mm -hmm. so that they would automatically see the catalog for them has been built for them as the entry page when they want mm -hmm. to build and change the rules. Mm -hmm. And you can also nest catalogs. You can have multiple catalogs assigned so that you just um, more or less switch between catalogs and uh, less technical people find that much more elegant and mm -hmm. easier and it will have a much better overview of, of, of their content. And that catalog would be cross-application also, or how that's You can define it as you like, a cross-application, mm -hmm. so the person setting up the catalog can absolutely, has all the freedom to, to, okay. to create. So it kind of stands side-by-side side with the application, etc. Yes. and it's grouping? It's grouping uh, content, mm -hmm. and you even can nest catalogs, so mm -hmm. when you have one catalog and you want this one then to be used in another, mm -hmm. uh, you would create a link to a catalog, which is just nesting catalogs. Okay, and the, like, and you would collect functions in that catalog or expressions or? Oh, yeah, as oh. you like. You could say, I create a folder for my yeah. functions okay. and have my three, four functions in this folder. Mm -hmm. And then I create a folder for reuse expressions. Mm -hmm. I have a decision table I'm using a couple of times. Okay. So, or I create a folder for my data objects. Okay. As you like. And, and one formula can be part of multiple catalogs then sure, also? Sure, okay. no problem. So it's really free, it's grouping and... Yes, okay. and uh, as I mentioned, you can configure the user interface a little bit so you can take out the normal way of navigation mm -hmm. in the repository, just hide that from the user, uh, hide some technical features from the user, mm -hmm. uh, default some catalogs for him, and then uh, the user would have a very much simplified user experience. Okay. Talking about the workbench, I think one of the, if we are through with the catalog uh, feature, yeah. I think one of the uh, key things in the, in the workbench is also the simulation feature, which we kind of touched a, a bit. Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth uh, digging a bit deeper on that one as well. So I think since, as you mentioned, formulas can be complex uh, as hell, and then if I configure something uh, in here, I, I have to see what is the result, and I wouldn't do that in production environment typically, right? So that's why you have that simulation. Um, yeah, simulation is <laughs> just understand simulation in the following way: you have a function, and the function has a couple of input parameters, 
And when you simulate, those input parameters will be rendered into a web screen where you can insert any data into those. Hmm. And then, uh, given this data, you can execute the function. And then you will be presented a protocol that explains you step by step the execution mm -hmm. and uh, the intermediate results and the end results. So that you really see step by step how do your rules execute. And then you can, um, of course, understand that and say, okay, it's right or it's not right. Um, this has been enhanced recently in a way that the protocol was much improved. Mm -hmm. And you now can also simulate each expression uh, individually. So you uh, don't need to simulate on the function only, mm -hmm. but you can simulate each expression and or nested expressions, whatever you like to simulate. Which kind of uh, strongly supports what you mentioned, that, you, that combination of kind of independent uh, functions, if you then can be tested set or expressions, sorry, yeah. have a table and a formula um, and a And then a combination of both, maybe in a decision tree, I can test all three separately. So I can first make sure. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. And that now is that support for testing expressions. Very yeah. nice. Well, that's uh, not all. We are currently working on mm -hmm. a, a debugger capability so that you do not just test it and run it through at once, but you can step by step run through and change intermediate values, set break and watch points. But this is still to come. Yeah. Also, we are currently uh, finalizing a so-called test case tool, which allows you to create test data and uh, test cases, that is input and expected results. Mm -hmm. And then you could define a bunch of test cases and make the productive use dependent on, on, on a successful run of those test cases. So you could not only... In not only they can go in and enter the test data and, and check the results by myself, but I... I can really define a set of, of uh, input and output and automate that. Yeah, uh, it's like a unit test. And then mm -hmm. you have maybe your 100 test cases and you can run them all at once or a selected number of cases. And then they will show you some kind of a summary. So those test cases are green. Those are not green. Um, we currently are, this is something that, that we have nearly finished. It's not yet shipped, but it's close to be shipped. Uh, you can then connect this to a successful release of changes. So when your mm -hmm. rules change and then um, before using them productively and more or less enforce a positive execution of the test cases. If the okay. test cases are not okay, then you cannot use it productively. Yes. And that kind of uh, leads us over to the last point, kind of future for TM, but reality uh, for other applications, which is that uh, yeah, DSM is the name, right? That uh, uh, NetWeaver Decision Service Management okay. is the full name. Okay. And this is something that is uh, already shipped, not yet used in transportation management, yep. but already shipped. And some customers use that already. And with decision service management, we offer great, um, a great enhancement to BF Plus. So with this tool, you can define your rules at a central place using data in your complete ABAP system landscape and uh, build your rules then and deploy those rules into your test systems or into your productive systems. That means you don't go through a transport anymore. Um, you can, from one place, build your rules, have one central location to build all your rules for any system, for any application in your landscape, and then from there deploy, means transfer the rules into the target environment. Into production, for example. Into the right? production environment. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of advantages. First of all, you don't need to go through transport. Uh, you can deploy it without technical uh, people being involved, without mm -hmm. any downtime, 
You don't need to plan a transport. You can just right away move it over into the target system. You can connect this with a, with a release workflow. So maybe only some persons are allowed to do that. Maybe there needs to be for I principles implemented. Yeah. Maybe some test cases first need to be evaluated. That's the one you, that's what we just discussed. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to force a deployment into a test system first. So therefore we have built a so-called release workflow with which customers can control exactly how such a release process uh, takes place. And there's uh, some more interesting things like you can deploy into the future. You can say, I deploy today, but it should be valid only maybe next week. Mm. Um, you can deploy into running uh, processes, means uh, you have a lot of custom, a, a lot of users using the rules. Now, while they use the rules, you deploy a new version and each new user session would then take the new version of the rules. Existing user sessions would complete. So there's no, mm -hmm. no, no downtime needed, no dumps mm -hmm. or so. Um, nobody actually is stopped in his work. Mm -hmm. And uh, moreover, a feature we recently added is that you can deploy into a sandbox on the productive system. And uh, therefore, we allow you, or, or with this, we allow you to test your rules in the productive system without triggering a side effect and without the rules being used productively. Mm. That means we bring the rules into the productive system. You can test it there on the productive system. In the productive system? Or what is no, the same, client. same client. Same client. Yeah, but it's a space that can only be used for testing. You cannot use it productively. Mm. So your, your processes will never be able to see that and use that. However, mm. from decision service management, you can run your test cases against those rules on the productive system. With productive Data, with productive no data, no productive results. Exactly, with productive data, okay. excluding side effects, of mm -hmm. course, mm -hmm. uh, to see before you actually use them, would they work in the productive environment? So this is something that you can never achieve with mm -hmm. ABAP, with transport, mm -hmm. with all those concepts. You have no chance to do this. Use case would be if I don't have that unit test or test cases in my um, if, if you don't have, mm -hmm. for example, the right database, mm -hmm. table entries mm -hmm. in your test systems, you could bring the rules for testing purpose to the productive system, mm -hmm. run the tests there to see if they work, mm -hmm. and then just switch over to productive. Because tests. that master system wouldn't be based, it's really standalone, that the maintenance system is not, not necessarily like a TM system or GRC system, but it can be, it's independent, right? And that's why you may not have some of the database tables, which are then included in, for example, that database. Yeah, for, for the rules right? maintenance, we can see all the data. Yeah. So automatically we can connect to the target system mm -hmm. and, for example, find the right value help and all that kind okay. of stuff. However, when you actually run the rules productively, um, you have other factors like methods that we may call like mm -hmm. database tables, mm -hmm. and those may have different entries. So we try to run the rules where not not mm. in an artificial environment, but in the productive environment, mm. um, to be sure that they will later produce results as expected. However, all that is optional. Um, it depends on customers if they want to use it or not. Mm. Um, but DSM will add a lot of new features to BRF Plus, and um, um, to just just to mention one more is uh, reporting capabilities that you understand which of my functions are executed, how often are they executed, which expressions are actually used, which expressions are maybe not used, which rows in my decision tables are usually matching, so mm. the distribution over the rows. Mm. Um, that will come with very, very little effort to set it up. Mm. So all the data is available in our database tables, 
Um, and then you can use, for example, HANA tools to have automatic reporting on that. Okay. So a lot of new features that will be added with DSM, and therefore we are discussing how to best make use of that in transportation management as well. Nice. Good. I think one last thing we forgot to mention, and it's related to that, is versioning, right? You have also versioning. Just to yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of um, concepts that are just expected by um, people mm. building applications and using the other world. Mm. That's like authorization concept, like versioning, support of transport, client uh, dependency, client concept. Mm. So all of that is, of course, supported by BF Plus as well. Mm. And um, yeah, it in most cases behaves uh, very much like um, you may know that from other code or so. Mm. Okay. Yeah, last but not least, maybe uh, we now talked a lot about the kind of maintenance uh, of BF Plus by the end users. I think for developer perspective, it's also interesting that you have full control of that application also from um, from your application, like our conditions, they create an update, uh, the the decision <clears throat> or the, the application formula, decision is create data objects, so their APIs also for kind of maintenance of the um, yeah. uh, BF Plus uh, from an application as well, maybe just for... Yeah, there's a complete API, whatever we do in our user interface, mm. you can also do that by API. You could even write your own user interface. Yeah, and uh, there is a book uh, about Bear yeah. Plus, yeah, and book. in the book there is a nearly complete description of the API and of the expression types and yeah. all that stuff. So um, it's uh, published by SAP Press, and um, I'm co-authoring it. So yeah, we'll maybe check it out. Affiliate link in the yeah. <laughs> show notes. Nothing, just a normal one. Get the last yeah. copies before it's sold out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I have one. So. <laughs> Just one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The book. Yeah. So, anything, any app coming or something like that for the maintenance of BF Plus? Just, no. Okay. Any what? App that can maintain the on a on the iPad, iPad or something? No, no, just that I can order one. No. Not no investment so far. <laughs> okay. Maybe when I feel bored or so, then I may look into that. Yeah. But not at the moment. I see. Yeah, typically, it's also power use doing it on a desk. Yeah, right? you when need you... more screen space. Mm. Um, a mobile phone or a tablet computers maybe not really enough. And mm. yeah. yeah, would be challenging probably. Okay. Good. I would say for today, high level, we have no better picture and a lot of curiosity to to look deeper into. Uh, BF Plus, I think at least I took some uh, follow-ups uh, with me, but I want to check now. I hope uh, our listeners uh, also learned a lot. And uh, now it's time to get started uh, digging deeper with BF Plus for those of you who haven't done that so far, I think. So thanks a lot. Yeah, any, any closing words from your side? Something? Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for the opportunity to, oh. to speak here and explain BF Plus. Um, transportation management is one of my favorite users. It <laughs> uh, gave you. me a chance to to travel to some customers, <laughs> really interesting customers. Yeah. Um, and I think we had a very good collaboration so far. Mm -hmm. So I tried to make the tool better and better yeah. so that you sell more and more transportation management. Yes, we do. <laughs> good. Yeah, thank you for inviting. This was very informative and also look forward for people to get into the power use cases for BRF plus with conditions. Okay. Thanks a lot and
Goodbye.